do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I'm delighted that you've joined us today. We are in for a treat. We are going to have a download of wisdom and enthusiasm from our guest today. Let me share with you a little bit about Steve. Steve Gavatorta is the owner of Steve Gavatorta Group. Now, what his group specializes in is empowering individuals and organizations so they can identify, develop, and actually exceed their performance goals. Now, Steve comes with a very rich background. He's had the privilege of being a coach and a trainer for thousands of high performers in industries just a wide variety of industries from pharmaceutical to healthcare to finance, media, advertising. He's covered it all. And he specializes anywhere from the small business segment to the Fortune 500 companies. And so he paints with a pretty wide brush. Now, Steve is a collaborator because he loves to work with organizations to build foundations so they can set goals that eclipse that highest desired potential from them. Now, he comes with several certifications, and one is the Certified Professional Behavioral Analyst and Certified Professional Values Analyst, and then he's also certified in Myers as a Myers-Briggs practitioner, and he's accredited and set to train on emotional intelligence. And we'll get into all of what these mean and what those certifications actually do for his clients. Now, he does have time for fun. He is able to enjoy martial arts, and he's also a veteran traveler. He loves going to new places to recharge his batteries. And who doesn't want a battery recharge where they can go and really enjoy the world and enjoy people. Steve currently resides in Tampa, Florida. So today we're having a show where East and West meet each other. And Steve, I want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you. What an introduction. I have a lot to live up to. I love it. But uh, (laughs) playing on your East meets West, I love the compassionate samurai uh, uh, title of your show as well too. Great name. Love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And speaking of great titles, Steve has a book out. We're going to unpackage the book a little bit. I had the opportunity to read it from cover to cover. And then I also listened to it. And and that's kind of my litmus test for when a book really is seeping into uh, the brain and the heart. His book is called In Defense of Adversity. So we're going to unpackage that in a little bit. But Steve, I want to get just an origin of what's the idea behind the book when you talk about in defense of adversity. Surely you're not uh, encouraging people to invite problems into their life. 
Well, I wouldn't say invite them in, but don't be afraid of them. Let's put it that way. I'm a firm believer that you know the adversity in our lives happen for a reason, and they're meant to help us evolve into the people we were meant to become. Um, you asked the origin of the story. It, it actually, uh, the birth of it was about five years ago. I'm from a small time in, town in western Pennsylvania called Burgettstown, Pennsylvania, known for the coal mines, steel mines. In, in, in the day, many years ago, a zinc mines. So that little town, it was a small town, it was probably 2,000, 1,000, 2,000 people, uh, was a natural influx for immigrant families because of all the coal mines and job opportunities. I grew up, uh, Kathy, with essentially every ethnic group around the world. It was really a great place to grow up. Mm -hmm. Um, About five years ago, um, I was sitting at home with my father of the holidays, and I said to him, I want to go see where you grew up. And my father grew up in one of these little coal mining, zinc mine villages. And it's nothing special, Kathy. They all look the same. They're small. They're not attractive. You know, these were, this is where the immigrants came and lived and worked. So we drive up there. And like I said, the, there's nothing sexy about this neighborhood, these houses. My father points to his house. He goes, And my father, by the way, was a successful entrepreneur in, in his own right. My father goes, that's where I grew up. There's where Dr. Spinojans grew up. There's where Dr. Moropus grew up. There's where Dr. Strassi grew up. There's where Barry Alvarez grew up. For those of you who don't know who Barry Alvarez is, he's the winningest football coach in Wisconsin and their current athletic director. But it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. What a wonderful story. You have all these immigrant families that came to this country with nothing, not speaking English, let alone each other's language, and became doctors, lawyers, businessmen and women, entrepreneurs, athletes, uh, educators. It was just a wonderful story that I felt in this day and age needed to be told. Um, however, I'm not a biographer. So I went forward and I, I researched some of the families, interviewed them. Most of them I knew, but I interviewed them. The stories they told me about the trials and tribulations they faced coming from their home countries into the United States and the difficulties they faced you know, living here and ultimately becoming successful. And for me, um, this is a long story short, for me the big takeaway was the adversity that these people faced made them. It didn't break them. They break them. They didn't just survive. They thrived in the face of obstacles, and that led to the title of "In Defense of Adversity." Once again, meaning that uh, don't be afraid of it. I don't think calling it in your life, as you said earlier, is necessarily the right thing. But when it does happen, don't be afraid. Look at it as an opportunity to learn, grow, and help you become the person you were meant to become. Mm-hmm. Well, and that really explains quite well in terms of. I'm a firm believer in that environmental and familiar background um, that we grow up in. Whatever that picture is, whatever canvas we're allowed to paint with that. And when you think of an immigrant community, and and it's it's more or less a blueprint, um, certainly for the United States today, uh, in terms of (coughs) excuse me, in terms of diversity. Um, Share with me what you. You believe some of the strengths that came out of that mining town and that mining community in Pennsylvania. What would you say? What are some of the strengths that came out of there? Right, exactly. How did they yeah. muster up the, the courage to move through the adversity? 
Yeah, you know, I just think in the in that time we didn't have any. I mean, welfare wasn't available. There weren't as many um, safety nets, so to speak. So it was essentially you have do what you need to do to be successful. You know, most of these families came here with the goal of being Americans, and they fought tooth and nail to become successful to become an American. You know, many of these families had multiple jobs. Um, they had their eye on the goal of, of succeeding in this country. Nothing was going to stop them. No, no difficulties, no adversity, no obstacles. Uh, Barry Alvarez, who I mentioned earlier, really phrased it up nice. He said, people from this area knew how to grind. And what he meant was to keep being persistent and resilient in the face of obstacles. So failure wasn't even in, in their thoughts, in the mindset of these people. I think that's one of the key things. It was, they had their eye on the goal. Failure wasn't an option, and they were going to get it. They had very little uh, safety net to fall back on, so they had little options as well, too. Right, and that makes a lot of sense. In other words, when you have no safety net, and in in some regard, you just had the golden ticket punched. You were invited into the United States and to follow that American dream, whatever that may look like. Yeah. And if you're not from the United States, it's it's whatever that dream in your country and your world looks like. Sure. I also think that with the world getting smaller and smaller because of the internet, I feel that really taking on adversity in a big way, you may be... Um, have taken this on in the state of Pennsylvania, let's say. But yeah. realistically speaking, someone from another country could be going through the same trials and tribulations you are. And so this book is actually a global tool, not just one for uh, a particular segment or sector of a challenge. So, yeah, um, yeah. and I enjoyed, if you'd share with us a little bit, because I think... The overcoming and really facing adversity head on, you shared in your book, actually, a story about how your parents lost their house. Now, often today, when we hear of someone losing their house, it's assumed that it's through foreclosure. In your particular case, it was literal. The house sank because of the foundation or lack of foundation with the mining land. So could you unpackage that a little bit and and maybe your response and you spoke to some resistance you had um, in the beginning of your circumstances and and overcoming that resistance. And then um, if you'll you'll kind of finish it off with the cherry on top, which which I loved after you uh, got out of college. Would you unpackage that a little bit for us? Sure, absolutely. It's the chapter I fondly now call The Summer from Hell. And it was the end of my junior year. I was in college, and uh, it was a beautiful, sunny day. I went to college two hours north of Pittsburgh. Beautiful, sunny day. And um, I was outside the fraternity just goofing around with my friends, and I received a call on the phone from my mother, and which was odd. You know, we didn't have cell phones. I'm going to age myself a little bit, <laughs> but we didn't have cell phones back then. And I just thought it was kind of strange, my mother calling me. It was around noon. So I was skeptical. From that point, I answered the phone. I could tell she was crying. And she said, Steve, I want you to know before you hear this from anyone else, we've lost our house. And to your point, I was thinking, you know, was it a business deal? Was it foreclosure? What the heck happened? Well, unbeknownst to us, 
our house being from western Pennsylvania, full of coal mines, our house was built over a coal mining room. We did not know this. <laughs> and the night before, mm. my mom and dad were essentially sitting in the house. They were hearing these strange noises. They were seeing cracks form in front of their eyes from the ceiling to the floor, seeing uh, the, the, the plaster crumbling off the ceiling. They went out to my grandmother's, spent the night there, who lives close, lived close to us, came back the next morning, and our house essentially cracked. The foundation cracked in half and split in two, and we lo- it didn't, like, cave into the hole, but essentially the, the, the foundation was ruined. We didn't know. Once again, we were, our house was built over a coal mining room, and we lost our house, essentially, because we had no – you needed special insurance for it, and we didn't have that, and uh, essentially we had to bulldoze the house down and whatnot. We, we were able to rebuild and get a loan and whatnot, but that was essentially that part of the story. Going into that same time frame, I came back from college and I started working at my father's fruit market. He owned a produce market. So I was, we were dealing with a house, living in a small one-bedroom apartment. I was sleeping on the floor. We, we were working the produce market. And each year, my father taught me something new in working in the market, either ordering uh, working, uh, you know, running the register, helping customers, taking out orders. Each year, he was kind of teaching me new skills. Well, about a week after being home, we're dealing with the house. He starts complaining. A, a chest start bo- started to bother him. So at this point, the only thing he hadn't taught me was how he priced product. You know, what were his profit margins, so on and so forth. So when with his chest, I figured, you know what? It's time I find out how you price things. <laughs> So thank God I did because the next day he was laid up with an arthritis-related collapsed lung. So there I am, a 20-year-old kid. We have no home. We're dealing with a rebuilding of this new home. And my father is laid up in a hospital with a serious industry, in, in, in injury. What the heck do I do? And it was essentially, do, you, do I run the store? Do we close the store? It was the toughest time in my life at that point, Kathy. I thought my head was going to explode. But this only lasted for a few minutes. After about five minutes, I had a weird sense of calm about me, and I came to the realization that my father had been preparing me for this day, not figuring it was going to happen, but each year he was teaching me new skills to effectively run that store in his absence, and Mm -hmm. with that thought, with that knowledge, I gained the confidence and strength, and I ended up uh, running that store the entire summer while my dad rehabbed, and essentially during his rehab, he took care of business with the rebuilding the house and whatnot. So that summer was what I call the summer from hell, but it was one of the greatest influential times in my life because that year I became a man, literally. And my point is this, that summer from hell, that massive adversity brought into my life and my family's life was essentially what shaped me the rest of my adult life. It was, I firmly believe this, Kathy, it was meant to be, to help me evolve into the person I became and am still today. So that's, uh, that's kind of that story. Is that, were you, uh, any questions on it? Is that what you were leading to? Yes, it is, because when I read this in the book, it really underscored this foundation that was getting built right under your feet without you really knowing it at, at present time. And obviously... 
some of the biggest challenges I have noticed people telling and, and same with me can be finances and health. And so yeah. when you have finances that you need to, to face head on and and the challenges around that or health issues to face head on, um, you got the double whammy in a very short period of time. So we are now coming into our first break. What I encourage everyone to do, stay tuned. We'll be back with more with Steve. And we're going to talk about the foundational principles that really come to support the content of the book. So stay tuned for more. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clamoron Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and we are joined today by our guest expert, Steve Gavatorta. And Steve is the author of an incredible book, In Defense of Adversity. Um, you can find that book out on Amazon. There are all kinds of tools and support materials that come with Steve's book. Any business person or, quite frankly, anybody walking the planet would be well served by reading his book. So, Let's talk a little bit about the subject of relevance, because, Steve, we talked about um, some adversity that you dealt with coming out of your junior year of college. And share with me why this topic of adversity is so relevant today. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't just go back to immigrant families coming to this country trying to succeed. The intensity of uh, you know the people facing adversity, I think, in many ways now is more uh, pressing than ever. If you do a Google search of the phrase "how to deal with adversity," it returns over 21 million results. <laughs> so there's obviously a need for this. You know, people are looking for answers for this. And, uh, you know, I often say we are in a high-tech, low-touch, ever-evolving world. Uh, adversity is hitting us faster. Change is hitting us faster. The need to respond to clients or the need to respond to bosses is faster than ever, leaving us little time to respond accordingly. And many times, uh, Kathy, we don't have the skills to handle these things or face these obstacles. Think about it. We teach in, in schooling what? Reading, writing, arithmetic. We, we learn ma- uh, multiplication tables. Then we put those multiplication tables to use or in a test or through solving problems. You know, there's a structure for that. There's no real structure for facing, overcoming adversity. So I think it's more relevant and needed now more than ever because of the speed at which adversity is striking us. Um, my book, you know, essentially I, I say there's no silver bullet for overcoming difficulties. Adversity is deeply personal and it come, can come in many forms. What might, some adverse situation in one person's eyes might be a, a, an exciting challenge, whereas another person, it may be, you know, something that's frightening to them. So it's deeply personal. So my book really tries to do three things. First, help people assertively face those obstacles when they come so they're not running away. They face them head on, hopefully successfully overcome them, but at the least learn a valuable lesson. Every situation in our lives, Kathy, I firmly believe is, once again, meant for us to happen so we can learn lessons and grow and evolve. Adversity is a great teacher for us. Well, and one of the things that you drove home, and and certainly it's underscored in your book, um, one gets to put on their work bridges and go to work on themselves. There's no one that can take on adversity for you. That would be your job. And there's no shortcut, although there are smarter ways, I think, to to get to the end of that journey than others. But it's, as you say, there's there's no magic bullet. It's going to take introspection of self and really understanding where your foundation is. And let's talk about um, some of the principal foundations that you really uncover in your book, if you would. Yeah, the, these are support materials. You know, the book is, it, it's, it's nice. There's a lot of stories. It's, it, I believe, an easy, practical read. But it is not fluff by any, any, any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I base this book off of four, what I call four foundational pillars. The first is I interviewed over 60 highly successful people across an array of, of, of industries or, and job responsibilities. Uh, entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, uh, athletes, professional, amateur in college, coaches, professional, professional, amateur in college, 
educators, lawyers, even yoga instructors. And I basically asked them six questions on how they face over and overcome or prepare for adversity. And the information I got back, Kathy, was outstanding. I mean, it was these people went above and beyond the call of duty. The problem is I couldn't put it all in a book. I had so much great mm. information. But that is their insights is, is a foundational element, and their comments uh, are quoted throughout the book as well, too. The second foundational element is brain functionality. Understanding how our brain functions, two key components of our brain, how these two key components play during adverse situations. Then I connect the dots to uh, a behavioral assessment that I'm certified to deliver called DISC, D-I-S-C. It's a Jungian-based behavioral assessment, very similar to Myers-Briggs. So I connect the dots between understanding your DISC style or your behavior style and how you can understand adversity from that perspective and manage it accordingly. And then the last foundational piece is essentially I spent 21 years in corporate America and I've owned my owned my business for 15 years. So I've learned a great deal of lessons and skills and tools that I help my clients use to overcome difficult customers, difficult uh, relationships, and difficult uh, scenarios to become better what they become, uh, what they need to become. So that experience was one of the foundational elements as well, too. Well, and I love that formula of learning from others and then really getting into um, brain activity and and how that impacts the behavior. uh, And then your own experience and tying it all together. Um, I was... I had goosebumps when I was reading my assessment, um, (laughs) and I'll I'll share with you that a little bit later. And really, let's talk about the brain functionality, because um, I'm not a scientific person, and so when someone talks about the limbic brain and the cortex, I have to think, okay, now which does what, and how does this work, and (laughs) and all of that. And, And the way that I happen to, because I'm such a visual learner, when I think of the cortex, I think of that core of a tree trunk. And that is the stable part, the planning part, the functional part of who I am. And then when I think of the limbic part, I think of a storm and all these branches of the tree, you know, blowing in the wind and going crazy and all different types of directions. And so share with us a little bit about how that limbic brain can work again, what the limbic brain is and describe it, uh, as well as uh, the cortex part of the brain and how these two interact and how we really want to court one side more than the other. Correct. Yeah, your, your, your example of the tree is actually pretty good, darn good. I never thought about that way. But, yeah, the two essential parts of the brain you mentioned, the limbic system is also called a reptilian brain. It's our, we, our limbic system was, is with us at birth, and it really doesn't develop. And it was with us when we were cavemen and women. Uh, and it's essentially our emotional response to adversity. When an adverse situation comes about, our adrenaline starts rushing, and our response is typically freeze, fight, or flight. Now, once again, that was great in the caveman days when a lion roared. We did what? We ran. We, <laughs> that's how we survived. But through time, things have changed. So, uh, so, And that's the cortex part of the brain. The cortex part of the brain is the part of our brain that develops and grows based on our experience, our learning, and our training. 
So it does develop, and that, to your point, is where rational behavior, uh, logic, reason, or ability to make connections, that's where that all exists. So the base premise of my book is when adversity strikes, you want to be in that cortex part of your brain so you're handling it rationally, not over-emotionally. When, that, when you're in that limbic part of your brain, you know, it, that adrenaline starts rushing and you fall into freeze, fight, or flight, or a combination of those, it's not easy to get out of that. If I'm angry, if I'm going to fight mode, I'm not going to instantly click out of that. It's going to take time. So when adversity strikes, I want to prevent what I call prevent the transfer of authority from the cortex of the limbic system so you can handle this adverse situation rationally, not emotionally. Well, and I love that because it's the the transferring that we're looking to regulate. And, uh, you know, I kind of am a person that's wired to love to be in charge. I I always got the the bossiness award when I was in grade school, that sort of thing. And really training ourselves to regulate that transfer is a key issue. What are some of the tools that you recommend in terms of monitoring that transfer and and staying out of that limbic brain, the, that reptilian crocodile kind of kind of brain set? Yeah, I think the first. Well, there's two parts of this. One is to under what I call understanding your triggers, your your emotional triggers and your emotional responses. You gave a good example. I think you said you like being control, right? Is mm-hmm. that what you? Is that, yeah. yeah. So think about this. A trigger for you could be loss of control. Yes. Or not, you know, losing control of that situation, or not being the leader, not being ahead of that team. That could, could could create an adverse feeling for you, so to speak. And typically, the adverse someone like that is typically more of a dominant style in disc terms. So typically, the limbic response would be to fight. Mm-hmm. So knowledge of those things that trigger you. What that emotional response looks like is the first step. If I know myself, I know those things that can trigger that limbic response and what it feels like, I'm going to raise my awareness to, pre- awareness to prevent that. I'm a freezer and a fighter. <laughs> so I'm a blend of different limbic responses. And I become very astute and aware of those things in my life that can kick off into that adverse, kick me in that adverse state. And so I avoid that limbic response, and I know what it feels like to freeze and fight. So my awareness has helped me better manage that. Does that make sense? That makes perfectly good yeah. sense. And one of the questions that I want to come back, because we're, we're uh, moving on to our next break, yeah. I want to come back where oftentimes I'll have people say, well, I behave one way at work and a different way in my personal life. And I want to get yeah. your take on that sure. and what, what uh, the natural state will be and the adaptive state, because that was a yeah, real sure, sure. eye-opener for me. Uh, we sure. are going on break. Stay tuned. We're going to learn more from Steve. And thanks for listening.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour, and we're speaking with Steve Gavitorta. And Steve is really an expert in business and the behavioral aspects of business performance and supporting those to face adversity head on. Now, he doesn't wing it. He actually has several tools in his treasure box to pull out and really support his clients as well as himself, to navigate this world we call humankind. And so from that perspective, Steve, I want to share a little bit. Um, One of the questions I'm often asked with people is, um, how do you explain when they feel they show up at work one way and then home a different way? Because um, I noticed on an assessment I saw one was adaptive and one was natural. They weren't that much different in my particular case. Um, but would you speak to that point a little bit? Yeah. Um, part of my book, I offer with Purchase the Book a, a free assessment, and you can help understand your particular behavior style 
and connect the dots between your style and those things that may trigger an adverse res- uh, adverse emotional response and what that trigger might look like, freeze, fight, or flight. So that's a, that's a key add-on to the book. And it's personalized for you, too. What might, How you might respond would be different than me. That's another beautiful thing about that tool. But that assessment includes something called a natural behavior versus an adaptive behavior. Adaptive behavior is either yourself in a, with your stressed or, or, or relaxed, it's who you are. The adaptive style is your style, what you might think the workplace requires you to be. You're, 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 you said your score doesn't show much difference, which is a good thing. Typically, sometimes people in that work environment, because of their roles and responsibilities or the feeling to please a boss or please a client, they may, their, their behavior may change out of their normal realm, which could create undue stress for them. So a lot of times people will be, experience much more stress and adversity or have issues with other people because they're not essentially, they're overcompensating because of the work environment they're in, and that creates more adverse situations and scenarios. So that's kind of where that dynamic between how we are at work and how we are at, in, in the, at the home environment can be completely different. It's funny, you know, I just worked with a client last week, and, and the woman, um, one of the women approached me afterwards, you know, her work environment, she's lovey-dovey, uh, type uh, extroverted, you know, really gregarious person. She said at home with her kids, she's usually dictatorial and, and, and disciplinarian. And she goes, oh my God, I'm, I've just come to realize I may be too difficult on my kids. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, that, so that part's driving, you know, her need to discipline her kids is driving that more that fight behavior where in the workplace she's a flighter. So I think each person's situation is different, and those things motivating us or, or the, that, we're, that we face can help drive different behaviors either in work or our home environment. Once again, the key is understand ourselves, understand how those behaviors manifest in adverse situations so we can best monitor, to monitor those and, and get the best out of our lives. Well, and Steve, what you say it makes so much sense, especially in my particular case, where nine years ago, I um, walked into the, the leadership seminar rooms at, at Clummer and um, the concept of compassionate samurai. And I know that that is actually the tools that I've picked up through Clemmer. Uh, that would be a reason why my natural and my adaptive style scores are not all that different because Correct. the traits of a compassionate samurai, we're talking about living authentically, living with integrity, living with boldness and compassion and abundance and um, having open, honest, and responsible communications. One of the the richest career moments in my life was the opportunity that the president of the company gave me to have open, honest, responsible yeah. communication with her. And yeah. I was going to provide some feedback that was not flattering at the moment yeah. and request a, a course correction. And her spirit was so generous and open that 
the feedback was taken, and again, it was my opinion. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but it actually fused a closer relationship because it came from a place of responsibility, and she's utilizing the tools as well. So I know it can happen. I have firsthand experience (laughs) around that, no doubt. Absolutely. You know, I talk Cheers. about adversity. You know, adversity is not solely situational. Adversity can be created uh, most often with other people. You know, that, mm-hmm. Other people, other bosses, customers can create those adverse situations in our lives as well, too. And I talk about that in the book as well as how we can, you know, get along better as people through our communication and understanding others. And, and so we can uh, connect those dots and not fall into those adverse or, or, or uh, rough situations with others. Right, exactly. I kind of, I kind of laugh. Maybe in my earlier career days, it, it would have said, uh, plays well with others, works well with others, as long as she's in charge. But um, that's that's not the way it it would be now. It's I am right. interested in a style or behavior that maybe even the polar opposite of mine, because I yeah. see those as learning opportunities, and um, I want to soak that up as a lifelong learner. And that's certainly what your book underscores. Um, could you do me a favor? Could you expand a little bit on what DISC stands for? What the D and the I and the S and the C sure. actually stand for? And maybe give us a, a taster of how it comes into play uh, with the assessment that you offer. Sure, sure. Um, a D is, a DISC is an acronym for the four behavior styles. That When you take the assessment, you're going to get a score from 0 to 100 on each of these styles, the D, the I, the S, and the C. Uh, the key thing I want people to realize is there's no right or wrong score or right or wrong style. It's essentially who you are, your behavior. So I don't want people to think, oh, I'm worried about taking it. It's all positive. So the acronym is as follows. D stands for dominance. These are type A personalities. Uh, love being the leader, love being highly competitive. I stands for influencer. These are the very, the very people into the extroverted type folks, the life of the parties, party type people. S stands for steadiness. These are uh, people oriented people, but they're a little bit more introverted. They like collaboration, teamwork, so on and so forth. And lastly, the C stands for compliance. High C's or C people are very analytical, very conservative, and very careful. Now, my book gives into detail on all four of these, but the connection with adversity is as follows. If I know my DISC style, I'm going to be able to better predict those things that may trigger adverse situations in my life and what that emotional trigger may feel like. So as an example, I'm a blended SD style. Basic layman comments about the limbic system, and disc styles. These dominant styles are typically, with the, with the limbic system of freeze, fight, or flight, high, D styles are fighters, I styles are flighters, uh, they flight, they run away, S's are freezers, they tend to freeze up, and C people tend to either fight or freeze. So I'm a blended SD style. So my first response is to freeze, then I might fight back. <laughs> Which yeah. isn't good. Yeah, because people think, boy, Steve's okay. Nothing's bothering him because I'm not saying anything because I freeze. Mm-hmm. Then I might snap back, which isn't healthy. So I know those things as a high SD that can throw me off. I'm a planner. 
typical S's are planners. They, they create a plan. They like it following through in a logical sequence in an order. Anything that can, and they're not great change agents. They need time to change and think through things before they make a change. You know, when a client wants to make a, this happened last week, when a client want, at the last minute wanted to make changes on a workshop I'm doing, uh, make changes, change the time, let's add this, let's add that at the last minute, it throws me. Into that mm. limbic, if I don't, if I'm not careful, it can throw me in that limbic state. And my limbic state in that instance, as I said, is to freeze and fight. Fortunately, mm-hmm. once again, I know these situations are going to happen in my life. That hence, I can better stop that limbic response. I can deal with it rationally because I know how to do it now, and I don't fall in that limbic state. So, does that connect the dots for you with the disc styles and the the adverse adversity piece? It really does. It truly does. And um, one of the things that I want to make sure that we we get to the audience is your website, because I'd like for you to spell it out as well. Your (laughs) website has so many tools, so much information. Um, It's a classroom in itself. And so if you just share the website before I uh, ask you my next question. Sure, sure. It's www.gavatorta.com. That's G-A-V-A-T-O-R-T-A. It's my last name, basically. So gavatorta.com. On that site is just a plethora of resources. You can obviously buy the book there, but get a lot of uh, collateral that ties into the book on my site for free as well, too. Uh, I said earlier that I interviewed over 60 highly successful people. And as I said, I didn't have enough opportunity to put every response in a book. I had so much great stuff. Mm. Well, what I don't have peppered in a book is captured on a PDF on my site for free. You have over 300 points of wisdom from highly successful people on how to face, overcome, and prepare for adversity. That's loaded on my site as well, too. And one thing I say, one of the things I recommend in helping us prepare for adverse situations in our lives is to surround ourselves with positive and motivating things. So I offer free motivational quotes on my site as well, too. So there's a lot of fun tools you can learn about me and, and uh, look at a lot of fun tools for yourself to help you uh, uh, become a better, better in your personal and professional lives and learn how to better face adversity. Well, and this certainly speaks to, uh, speaks to how to strengthen that muscle of uh, overcoming adversity Absolutely. and navigating without leaving a, a bunch of carnage behind. Uh, Brian Clemmer, the <laughs> founder of Clemmer and Associates, used to say, uh, you can be a, a leader out there in the world, but what, what's the wake look like behind you? Are, are you leaving a, a trail of, of wounded warriors that are not able to really follow you? We That's are coming up to our last break we're going to have a little bit more to speak to Steve about again his website is www.gavatorta.com stay tuned for more Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business and more on demand 24/7. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth 
is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. We have been blessed with the wisdom and knowledge that Steve Gavatorta has shared with us today. If you want to make it out to his website, it's www.gavatorta.com. And Steve, one of the things that I want to um, get a feel from you of the impact of emotional intelligence and really that the price that one pays for being a non-perceptive leader. If you don't know what you don't know, you're leading people, but you may not be leading them the right way. So share with me the importance of emotional intelligence and how do you cultivate that, grow that um, level of intelligence in terms of becoming an effective leader and an effective human being on this planet. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you, the, the folks that may not have heard of emotional intelligence before, we have IQ, which is, is how smart you are. The emotional intelligence is kind of your awareness of yourself and your interactions with others. Typically, there are four measurements uh, for EQ or emotional intelligence. It's int- intrapersonal skills. How well do I know myself? interpersonal skills, how well can I read and connect with others, uh, the ability to deal with conflict effectively, and lastly, the ability to solve problems effectively. Those are typically the four measurements of emotional intelligence. So if I don't, I can have the highest IQ in the world. I can be a Harvard-educated edu- person, be the, uh, the brightest bulb on earth. But if I don't realize my faults and they are, they ex- are exacerbated with others, i.e. short patience or laughing at people or not taking other people's ideas, I'm not going to have a good relationship with others. And that ties that in, interpersonal skills. So I can be the smartest person on earth, but I, if I'm not self 
If I don't have that self-introspective and self-knowledge, I'm not going to be as effective. If I can't work well with others, I'm not going to be as effective. And if I don't know myself and can't work with well with others, the likelihood of me solving conflicts and dealing with problems is going to be minimized as well, too. So that's, how, that's why raising your EQ is so important. Um, I write in a book about one of my clients, a very smart person, a professor at, an, at a, at a, at a uh, college nearby, who high IQ, master's, doctorate, every you know title in the book, yet his colleagues couldn't despise despised him because if they gave a suggestion, he would openly laugh mm. or if he disagreed, or he'd sigh if he didn't agree with something. Essentially, not being aware of how he came across. So here's a person with very high IQ who had very low EQ, and it created a ton of unnecessary discord amongst his colleagues and other people, which drove what? Adversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is a correlation between low EQ and the adversity that happens in your life. You know, if I can't get along with others, if I can't solve problems, if I can't deal with conflict effectively, I'm going to have more adversity in my life. So that is the connection with emotional intelligence and how it ties to dealing with adversity. My point in my book is through that self-knowledge, through that understanding of your DISC behavior style, you first develop good self-introspection skills so you can drive your intrapersonal skills. If I know myself and I can better deal with others, I'm going to drive those interpersonal skills. And if I have both those, I'm going to be better at solving problems and dealing with conflict. So raising EQ is what I talk about in my book, and raising EQ can minimize adversity in your life. Right. Well, and it it really speaks deeply to a corporate bottom line. And and we're talking um, that low EQ impacts turnover, that high adversity in the workplace. We're talking about conflicts that wouldn't even need to be, wouldn't need to exist if there's some self-study and some self-reflection going on. And as you say, uh, limited to no transferring of the limbic um, aspect of the brain. And right. all of this is the opportunity to learn and to grow through adversity. So I want right. to get a feel for, from your stance, who's going to benefit most from reading this book? Who would your audience be and how are they going to benefit by reading this book and really practicing these beautiful concepts that you've outlined in your book? Yeah, I, how, what's the population of the United States? 350 million? I think Something all like 350. <laughs> yeah, obviously everybody, right? But, um, you know, I, I firmly do believe everybody, and it can help us in our personal and professional lives. Um, those people who are leaders, those people who are managers, those people leading others, um, those people struggling with those personal things in, our li- in their lives, adversity happens to everybody, and it comes in different forms. So uh, in many, in, in truth, it can help so many different people. Um, you know, last week I was fortunate enough to work with one of the largest modeling agencies in the world. And I worked with primarily their um, 
talent agents and their interactions with models and the clients and the adversity that they faced and how this book, how these theories and this, these skills that they learn can help them better manage the dynamics between them and their models and them and their clients. So, it, you know, I don't want to sound flippant, but it really does run the gamut. Anyone who wants to become better at what they're doing or just have a better life or have less stress in their lives uh, can benefit from this. So. Right. And one of the things that I'm very clear about, I know on the Klimmer team, we talk always about the prices and benefits of doing or not doing something. So obviously, there are prices to be paid if there's not a shift into um, navigating in a healthy way the adversity. But there's also a benefit. And the benefit might be as simple as you stay comfortable in your small place, in your small box of the world. And so if you are looking for growth, those walls would need to fall down. And growth sometimes can be painful, but it doesn't have to be. I think you were at choice uh, with that as well. Um, I loved one of the stories that you shared in your book and and kind of some mentoring from from, uh, Coach Vince Lombardi um, was a beautiful aspect of thinking when you have a football team of, of 40 on your team, 40 players, yeah. 40 distinct personalities. Yeah. The one coach, Vince Lombardi, was talking about, I don't coach everyone the same way, and I'm paraphrasing yeah. here in the book, but yeah. the coaching was 40 different ways, methods, styles, yeah. and deliveries, not yeah. just one way he coached. And I think Correct. if we can really get that down as a leader with some of the tools that you supply in your book, you can become an unstoppable team. Absolutely, yeah. His quote was, uh, he had to learn, one of his successes was he had to learn 40 different ways to motivate and communicate with 40 different men. And that was the key to his success as a great coach. You know, if you don't have that knowledge, if you don't think about your team as being, you know, 40 distinct personalities and behaviors and communication styles, you're not going to be as effective. The more you can learn and understand those people with whom you lead, the more effective you're going to be. And the less adversity or angst or difficult situations you're going to self-create. Adversity is not going the way you sure as heck can minimize a lot of it or deal with it more effectively. I love it. Well, as we wrap up the show today, Steve, I want to thank you for being our guest today. And I encourage the audience, go out, check it out. It's out uh, easy to get on Amazon. You can uh, listen to it on Audible or, or download the book on your Kindle, whatever works for you in defense of adversity. Until we meet next week, Knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success. 